Welcome to another episode of the Accepted Authority podcast, where we look to solve common growth challenges that are stopping you from growing your consulting firm. And with me, as always, we've got Greg Roweth. G'day, Greg. Hey, Andy. Good to be here. It's great to have you here, as always, and, and thanks for listening as well. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're up to 100 downloads now, so that's uh, that's a great little milestone. So thank you for all your support. Today, we have a, a great topic. It's it's very viable for, I think, everyone who's listening and I think for all of us here as well. It's around sales conversations. It's something that that's coming up fairly often, I know, with you, Greg, and your clients. But I guess we want to talk about how do we have better how do we have better sales conversations because uh, in consulting there's a tendency I feel to jump straight to solution mode and now with the way that the buyer's journey is going and buyers have a lot of research that they've already done before they even get to you so I feel like uh, on your suggestion Greg it's a good chance to just explore how can we have more meaningful sales conversations to give ourselves the best chance of a better outcome. What do you reckon? Mm. Yeah, well, I think it's a very important topic, and uh, and with the landscape changing so much, as you mentioned, we, you know, buyers are so much more educated today. Um, they learn a lot from the internet, so they tend to come into a sales conversation um, probably more aware and and perhaps more. Um, ready to take control of that sales conversation, which is not the best place for a consultant to be because ultimately, you know, the best place is to be in control of the conversation and, you know, take the conversation where as a professional, you know that conversation needs to go. Um, but I think you know, often we can get um, railroaded by our, our potential client if we hand over control to them and, you know, that tends to almost um, reduce the level of trust that that they have in us in a conversation. Um, you know, and trust is an important part of selling. Um, we have to establish trust before we're likely to be able to make the sale. So, um, yeah, to hand over the control of the conversation to our client sort of takes us out of that trust position and yeah. puts us more into a servant position. Um, where we um, you know, start to have to try to sell ourselves instead of you know, being the accepted authority as you know, the positioning that we want to adopt going into a sales meeting, you know, having people already seeing us as the accepted authority and uh, you know, wanting what we have to offer. So when we have to start to convince and sell, uh, we lose a lot of the power in that conversation and... Uh, I think, yeah, getting off track. So to summarise what I've just said, uh, going into a conversation and having a process where we're able to control that conversation so it goes where it needs to go and so that we learn more about our clients' issues and their challenges and how we can solve them rather than handing over control to them. Hmm. And I'll let you have a drink if you need it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I that's a that's an interesting point because I, I want to ask a question around that. Why do you feel that a, pro, a a lead or a prospect tries to hijack the conversation? Is that a symptom that we haven't framed the intention of our conversation, or 
Is it that they want to take control or is it sort of a mixture? Do we need to be intentional about the way that we say, look, here's what we're going to talk about today. We've got 30 minutes. I've got some key questions. Why do you see that, Greg? Yeah, I think that's an important part of the process is, yeah, that we need to go into that sales conversation with a framework, with a process to follow. And often, you know, we get into the situation where we haven't set up that conversation appropriately and, you know, before we get into the the sales conversation. Um, And often that comes about even when we have a referral um, and the potential client is approaching us, uh, we'll get into a sales conversation and like say, how can I help you today? And, you know, that basically is handing over control to the the client. Um, So they'll tell us what they want from us. And, you know, often, you know, when I've been in that situation myself, you know, having learned the hard way, um, when they say, here's my problem, how can you help me? Um, it's, it's puts us in a position where we have to try to sell ourselves rather than if we're in control of the conversation and can lead them. You know, and I, I think, you know, the way I teach my clients to, in the sales process and the way I've tried to do it myself is to me more like a doctor. Um, yeah. You know, rather than a salesperson and take control of that conversation as a doctor would diagnose the situation, ask appropriate questions um, to lead them to a position where they can actually make a recommendation about what the course of action should be. Um, in, in that process, you know, the doctor's in control. You know, their professionalism and expertise comes through because they're able to you know, follow a string of questions that are, you know, appear to be intelligent and uh, based on their expertise. Uh, and so they can, you know, lead the conversation, diagnose the, the problem and probably add value in the conversation. You know, when we talk about, you know, the symptoms, they can start to identify the cause. And uh, I think that, you know, process needs to be reflected in our sales conversations as well so that when clients talked about the symptoms you know, and how their problems show up, we can identify the root cause of those and say, well, let's not put a Band-Aid on the symptom but deal with the root cause and here's how I'd recommend approaching that. That's a really powerful metaphor, Greg, because... As soon as you flip that conversation and you go into diagnosis mode, mm. the pressure's off, isn't it? Yeah. Because you feel like I'm not actually here to sell. And mm. in a, a line that I've been using, which has been oh, now it's almost like autopilot for me, is I'll front by saying, basically, I've got some key questions and to find out more about your business, but also if or how I might be able to help. If I mm. feel like it's a fit, we can book in a longer call. If, mm-hmm. I, if I feel like it's not a fit, I'll tell you and mm. I'll, I'll do my best to give you some advice around that. And I think that just that just gets people, I think, at ease. Mm. But one of the things that you, that, that what I feel like you're sort of going towards is that we're almost ingrained now. We've, we've had all these sales conversations and it seems to be that our leads, our prospects sort of naturally want us to solve a problem but mm-hmm. 
it's almost like we're trying to fight against that tide as con- as consultants and we'll see mm. what we'll know. If the more of us can be doctors, mm. then we're actually having a better use of our time throughout yeah. the whole process. Yeah. And I and I think there's a real tendency for consultants and a desire, which is a positive thing, to want to solve a problem. And you know, naturally that's what we're in business for. You know, we have expertise about problem solving. You know, we are problem solvers in our services that we provide. But when it comes to a sales situation, you know, I've seen a lot of consultants and in, you know, often I've done role plays just to see how people sell. And it's almost like when the client starts to talk about their problem, the consultant is is very quick to jump on that problem and say, oh, I can solve that. I know how to solve that problem. Here's, here's what we can do. And immediately you do that, you slip into selling mode. And as, as crazy as it sounds, the last thing as a consultant we want to be doing in a sales conversation is trying to sell. <laughs> and, you know, really we want to be able to be in a position to diagnose and really add value to our clients to educate them around what their problem means to them, you know, why they have the problem, what needs to be done to fix the problem. And when we're um, recommending a solution, we're not actually selling, you know, ourselves. We're just talking about the best way to solve their problem. You know, here are the steps that need to be taken to solve a problem, not here's how I would solve that problem for you. You know, and it really changes the dynamics when you can talk about the process of solving the problem. And naturally then, you know, when you do that, you want the response to be, oh, can you help me with that? And when you get that response, then you can talk about how you can help them. But until you get that, any attempt to talk about how you can help them slips into a sales conversation where, you know, you start to, well, you know, that sort of sort of salesy approach creates resistance from the buyer. Mm. And there's the, you know, the critical filters that jump into play around, you know, that sales resistance. So they're evaluating and weighing up, um, you know, why are you trying to sell me? You know, they feel pressured by that sort of sales conversation. So when you can avoid selling and stick to recommendations and, and uh, you know, how to solve a problem, then the critical filters uh, aren't there. You know, they're open to be educated. They're open to learn what the solution is. Um, and then they're willing to say, well, okay, yeah, that sounds like a great solution. Can you help me? And then they give you permission to talk to them about how to do that. Um, yes. Mm. One of one of the things that I'm working through at the moment, Greg, is and hopefully uh, if you're listening or watching, you'll find you'll be in the same boat. Is it's developing those questions that really help stretch the gap. Mm. So everyone can talk about the problems, mm-hmm. and we we know what what people want, but it's really about how do we ask meaningful questions. Mm. So it actually highlights in the leads mind in the prospect's mind. Well, you know what? I do actually have a problem. I'm self-diagnosing. So it's yeah. a bit like you're saying, putting that doctor analogy, it's like poking you on the shoulder and saying, does that hurt? Mm. Well, yeah, mm. it does. 
okay, well, okay, great. This is that you've established that hurts. Mm. Well, what about if I poke you in the head? Yeah, yep. that hurts as well. Okay, mm-hmm. so we're, we're, we're trying to ascertain reasons why. So what would your, mm. how would you uh, go about crafting the questions that mm. really exacerbate and actually get the, the prospects to self-diagnose themselves? Yeah. Um, what I've found over time is that I, I developed a framework around the sort of questions to ask in a sales conversation. And the framework is around an acronym that I call Go Triage. So it's you know applicable to that doctor's situation. But the you know the go part is relates to the goals. So what are you trying to achieve? And then the obstacles. So what are the challenges or obstacles preventing you from achieving that? And then the triage part is, you know, once they talk about goals and obstacles, it's well, tell me more, you know, go go deeper. Um, you know, often that first obstacles part is a superficial thing. Tell me more about that gets them to open up and expand on that. Then the R stands for reflect back what you've heard. So reflect that conversation. Here's what I understand from what you've just said. So they feel understood in that process. Mm-hmm. Then the I is about the impact. So tell me about the impact of that, that challenge or the problem that you're struggling with. So they then start to explain, you know, how it's affecting them, what the implications are. Um, you know, then the A stands for the advantage. So what's the advantage of fixing that? You know, so the positive side, if we, if we solve this problem, you know, what advantages would that give you? Then the G stands for what does that give you? You know, so when you achieve those advantages, what does that give you? What what outcomes? What's um, you know what what would your life be like? You know when that situation is is in evidence and uh, you know you don't have that problem anymore. Then the E is for expected decision, and and that is based on the fact that we've helped people think through the problem, you know the impact, the advantage of fixing it, so they should have a high degree of motivation at that stage to decide, yeah, we need to make some changes. We need to deal with this and we need to you know, look at how we can get that advantage. Or, I mean, the alternative is going through that problem. Well, the impact's not really that bad. I don't really mm-hmm. gain much by solving that problem. My decision mm-hmm. is, well, we probably don't need to do anything about it. And so, you know, it's not about manipulation or, or you know, trying to force a client to come to a decision where they need our services, it just actually helps. It's a framework for helping them come to a decision as to whether you know the problem they have and what they're trying to do needs some action or it doesn't. Um, so you know, but more often than not, because you know the people we're talking to, we probably filtered out and qualified to a fair degree. Um, so that we know most of those conversations are going to lead to, yeah, we need to make some changes and do something about this. So, you know, that framework I found, you know, it gives me a very simple process that I can remember to cover off those points and, uh, you know, help ask the right questions about, uh, you know, the impact and the, you know, degree of pain or difficulty um, and plus the positive side of what does it mean to fix that? And, um, you know, it doesn't 
mean that you um, need to be terribly smart or even an expert in in the client's um, industry or you know, the situation that they're they're involved in. Um, we can ask the right questions based on a framework that's fairly simple. I love that. Thank you so much, Greg. And that was really valuable for me. I think that the key takeaways for our time together today was, first of all, um, there's a tendency to to talk a lot when we need to ask better questions at the start. So make sure we ask the right questions. The second part was around being the intentional. So we're not selling off the bat. Um, we're actually, we have a framework to use. And I think that third bit, which we talked about just now, go triage, write it down if you haven't already. That's a wonderful way to ensure that you highlight the key challenges, but also the impact and, and get the get the prospect aware that there is the issue and it's really about the urgency ratio and seeing if they can improve that. So sales conversations, I think that's a really valid, some some, some valid information that we've shared today. Thanks so much, Greg. I know I got a lot out of it. Hopefully you did if you're uh, if you're listening as well. So yeah. um, oh, anything else to add to that? Um, just, yeah, there's, um, if people want to know more about that process and, um, you know, there's plenty of information I have on my LinkedIn profile. Um, they'll probably find some videos or some articles about that um, at, uh, or just search for Greg Roworth on LinkedIn. Um, otherwise, go to my website at businessflightpath.com and uh, lots of articles uh, in my blog and some free ebooks that I have uh, available there as well. Awesome. Uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm on LinkedIn, Andy Marmont, and also our website is concurve.com.au. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate you leaving us a rating on iTunes or wherever you are listening. It just helps us create more impact and reach new consulting operators who might be interested as well and learn. So thanks again for your time. Uh, this has been the Accepted Authority. We'll see you next time. See you later.